Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. It's so good to have you back again together with me as we work together. Well, the project is to work together through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now, if you're here for the very first time, please stick around at the end where I can give you some information as how you can connect not only with my ministry, but loads of other free teaching resources. But with that said, we'll drop straight back into the text and pick up where we left off last time, and I'll see you at the back end. Bye-bye for now. Okay friends, we're picking up exactly where we left off last time and we're just really doing covering one verse today. The verse that some refer to as the golden rule. The verse that says, do unto others as you would have done unto you. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12. So let me make a couple of observations just before we kick off today. This passage so far has been telling us about how God delights in answering our prayers. But what it is definitely not telling us is that we have to overcome some sort of reticence or unwillingness of God on his part to answer our prayers. God is a really loving father and he wants to answer our prayers. He delights in doing it. Now for us it may mean this persistence in prayer is difficult. But you need to see that he has a particular purpose in us coming repeatedly to him. It may be in order that we can develop patience, or it may be he needs to teach us in order that he can answer and give us what we need at the time when we're ready to receive it. But the point is God delights in answering our prayers. In the act of prayer we acknowledge that we can't do these things on our own, but when we seek our Father's face, when we seek We will find our Father's face, it tells us, because when we knock, it is a Father who opens the door to us, not a servant. God is your Father, and if you have trusted in his Son, he wants you to come to him. And he delights in taking you and sitting you on his lap and listening to what you have to say. Let me make another observation. He wants to give us good things. Now I think that's the key to this opening part of this passage in the sense that he's trying to encourage us to pray and to be persistent and to be fervent in our prayer but at the same time he desires to give us what are referred to as good things. He doesn't want to give us stones and serpents. He wants to give us bread and fish, he told us last time. He wants to give us the good things, in other words the things that we really need. Now the next thing I'm about to say I believe is absolutely critical to understanding the correct perspective on prayer. And that is that God gives us what we need, which is not necessarily what we think we need or even what we want. If we ask for strength, 
that we might do great things in life, he might first wish for us to be made weak so that we can learn to obey. He also might give us the grace in order that we might do better with the things that he gives us. If we pray and ask for wealth in order that we might be happy, he actually may withhold wealth from us so that we become more wise in our perspective of what is really valuable in life. If we ask for power so that we can win the praises of men or appear powerful to other people, he might in turn answer our prayer with weakness so that we might realise and feel our need of him. And if we ask for things, for stuff, and we're asking it in a sense that in order that we think that that might help us enjoy life, he instead might teach us that we were given life that we might enjoy the things we already have. So hear me and hear me well, beloved. God can't wait to answer your prayers and he will do so as soon as you get in line with what he wants to give you. He wants to give you the things that will really benefit you and that is not always the things we think that will benefit us. That's the point. I feel I really need to camp on this for this is really solid ground. I need to stay here for a moment. I want to try and pursue this in order to help us understand really what our approach should be to prayer. Do you remember a little while back in the middle of the Sermon of the Mount, we had this thing referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And in that we asked for God to give us our daily bread. And I think that fits this perspective I'm talking about here perfectly, doesn't it? There are physical needs that we need in order to sustain life and God gives that to us. And the proof of that is that you're here, alive, today, listening to this. But what else is the Lord's Prayer? What else does the Lord's Prayer ask us to ask for? It asks us to forgive us our sins as we forgive those trespasses against us. The daily spiritual need that we need to have met is that our sins are forgiven and forgiven every day. There's another passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where it tells us that Paul said he has a thorn in his flesh. And he asked God to remove it. And three times he prayed fervently that God would take it away. And God's answer was no. I'm not going to remove this thing that is painful for you. But I will give you the grace and power to undergo this trial that you're facing. And Paul's response was, well, so be it. If that's your will, Lord, if that's your case, then I'm just going to glory in my sufferings. Because then the power of Christ will rest upon me. Listen, friends, this thing I know above everything else, and that is that God wants to give us what he needs, and he wants to give us grace. He wants us to know the fact that we are saved by grace through faith, and that it is not of yourself, that it was a gift of God himself. And he wants to do that, lest you think that there's any part of this process, of this transaction, that you yourself can boast about and suggest that you've earned it in any way. That's what it means when we hear people talk about being saved by grace. The Christian life is all about the way that we approach God. If you come before him and you come before him thinking that you can solve the problems of life 
then you're always going to struggle. You need to come and recognize that these things are beyond and above you. You can't save yourself. Recognizing that, that's grace and that's what living the Christian life is all about. And it is that grace that then enables us to come boldly to the throne of grace in order that we can find mercy and forgiveness there. Knowing that we've got it wrong, knowing that we've blown it, knowing that we need mercy and grace to help us in our times of need. Because the biggest problem that we need to solve in this life and deal with is us, it's you. And to solve us, we need grace. I think the best thing we can ask for in prayer is for the grace to acknowledge that God has forgiven us and it was all of him and that he has forgiven your past, your present and your future. That's God's grace. I wish to tell you a story by way of illustration. When I was a little kid, I lived in an area where they were building a new development, a new sort of housing area called Edenvale. And first of all, they built the long sloping hill into this uh, small estate, I suppose it was. And the local guys, and there was a lot of children around about the same age as me in the area I lived, we decided to have a go-kart race, to build go-karts and have a race down the entrance to this uh, this new, new estate that was being built down the hill on the Saturday when there were no workers there. I suppose we were all around eight or ten years of age. Now, when... The dads heard about this, of course, some of the dads got involved and started to develop plans to design and build some very sleek machines. My dad was away on mission at the time, which was always the case. So me and my brother, my older brother, we teamed up with the next door neighbour's lad, whose dad was also too busy to help, and we agreed that together the three of us would try and build a go-kart. Well, it was pretty hopeless. It fell apart or broke the first model fell apart and broke just when uh, when my brother Simon sat on it. But then we came across an old silver cross pram in the shed, in our next door neighbour's shed. And we simply spun the, the, the wing nuts off and took the body off, just leaving the bottom part of the frame and the wheels intact. And we set inside it an old wooden orange box which wedged perfectly between the frames and the wheels. It ran so smoothly you wouldn't believe it. On the day of the race, four teams turned up. One of those teams was that of a local surgeon and his son. And he had just gone to the store and bought a top-of-the-range go-kart, one with pedals and three gears and a handbrake. And the race, well, the racing began and it was done by elimination. So there were two semi-finals, a playoff, and then the final. We found my brother could could make our cart go fastest, probably because he was heaviest. But we got into the final. But before the final started, someone in our little group, group thought it would be a good idea to pray. Well, we prayed and then we had the race and we came second. One of the dads then asked, what did you guys pray for? Well, we said we prayed that we would win, of course. And he said, well, maybe you shouldn't have prayed to win. Asking God to help you win doesn't really seem fair to the other guys. Maybe you should have prayed that you just did your best or that you would not cry or be angry if you lost. So maybe God wants to answer our prayers by making sure that we don't cry when we lose in life. Maybe he just wants to give us the grace to handle what life throws at us. I said this passage contains two points. 
And the first two points are, firstly, that we should pray and pray fervently. Keep praying, persist in prayer, don't give up. Pray, pray, pray. But the second point is, is that what we should pray for and that we should be praying for the good stuff, the right stuff, the godly stuff. Pray that godly things happen to you and to those that you're praying for. And pray for as long as it takes to get those really good things, godly things, to come to pass. I myself came to the Lord at 13. But by 19, I was so far backslidden, I was up to my neck in the Mary clay, so to speak. But in my late 20s, I was called back into service by the power of the Holy Spirit. But at 17, 18, 19, I must have seemed almost lost to my Christian father and mother. Yet I know my father prayed faithfully, persistently, fervently and primarily that I might come to faith. My own wife prayed fervently for decades for her mother and father. And I can tell you that it was only in the final season of their lives that we saw the mother and father brought through. Her father just months before his death and her mother just days. But let me close today by giving another example. And that of a man named Hard Hendricks. Now I'm sure he's very well known to you from the many people who listen to this podcast who are based in the United States. He was an academic professor and a Christian educator. I believe he was 50 years as a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. And he's also one of the main inspirations and speakers behind a huge mission uh, in the States and worldwide called Promise Keepers. But he talks about how his father didn't know the Lord and how much pain it caused him. He struggled to understand that how he had been able to help hundreds of other people not only discover Christ, but discover a lot more about Christ. Yet he'd never been able to reach or help his father find his way to God. In one of his most recent books, he writes this, and I quote, The phone rang one day. And I was greeted by a young pastor from Arlington called Brian Hartman. What are you up to? he asked. I replied, nothing special. Are you sitting down? asked the voice on the other end of the phone. Why? I asked. Your father's just trusted Christ this morning. What? You've got to be kidding me, I blurted out. Such an inappropriate response from me, really. Ever since I received Christ as a boy, my concern had been for the salvation of my family and loved ones. On repeated occasions, I had broached the subject of the gospel with my dad, but his response was always less than interested. My father had always been a very important person to me. I imitated him consciously in many ways, but I always felt we weren't really ever very close. Certainly not what we would today call friends. But he was important in my life, and important because of the impact he had on me. He was a military man, He had seen action both in World War II and the Korean War, but he never really spoke about it. In my adult life, I became more and more sensitive to his spiritual needs, and my family and I prayed for him over many years. At many times, I'm afraid my faith stuttered. His response when I spoke to him of things of God was always the same. Don't worry about me, son. I'll work it out with God at some point. 
It's felt to me as if he believed God could be manipulated like the Pentagon officials he had to deal with towards the end of his military career. But God brought a man into the life of my father and it was this guy called Brian Hartman who phoned me today. Although I didn't know him well, he knew and knew of me and he had attended several conferences I'd spoken at and he'd actually met me and had heard me talk about my father's spiritual needs. He actually had in fact met me once and shook my hand and thanked me for what I'd said apparently, but I didn't remember it. But some months later, Brian was driving the church bus down the street. Having discharged all his passengers, he saw a man standing on the corner who reminded him uncannily of of Hard Hendricks. And he'd obviously heard me speak and seen me at the pastor's conferences. So he backed up the bus and he got off and he went over to the man and he said, Are you by any chance Hard Hendricks' father? Now it's easy for me to imagine my father's startled response. I could envisage my father's critical once-over with his steely blue eyes. Yes, he said. Are you a student of my son? That was the beginning of a friendship. This encounter began a friendship which was engineered by the Spirit of God. Now Brian undoubtedly sensed my father's hesitancy when he discovered that he was a professional religious person as he saw it. And Brian never asked him or invited him to attend church. He simply suggested that they meet for coffee once a week, which they did. And then gradually, over a period of time, sometimes hard dad would occasionally drop by for an extra chat and a coffee in his office at the church. Just an extra day here and there. As an ex-military man himself, Brian patiently endured the endless repertoire of war stories, but eventually discovered that his dad had been diagnosed with terminal throat cancer. Months later, Brian was at his bedside in the hospital. Mr Hendricks, he said, I'm about to leave for a holiday. Would you let me tell you a really important story? You see, Brian had earned his hearing through two years of weekly coffees and chats He had earned my father's trust, and my father agreed. And he simply began to relate the interview between Jesus Christ with Nicodemus, as recorded by the Apostle John. At the conclusion, my dad accepted Brian's invitation to receive Jesus Christ as his personal saviour. After doing it, he stood up at the side of his bed and saluted, and said, I'm now under a new commander-in-chief. That was the night that Brian called me and said, Your father has accepted Christ. The next time I saw my father alive, I could not believe he was the same man. His frame was wasted and he was more weak than I had ever known. But his faith was strong. In accordance with the specific provisions of his will, Brian conducted a small military funeral in Arlington Cemetery, where the gospel of Jesus Christ was presented to a small group of family and military attendants. As the guns saluted his final farewell, I knew God had vindicated my 42 years of prayer and my father was safe with the Lord. Friends, pray. Don't give up. Don't give up even if, as in this case, it takes 42 years. Don't give up for God wants us to be persistent and God wants to answer our prayers and bless us with the desires of his heart and the things that we really need, those things that are already in his will. 
we have the privilege of being allowed to approach our Father God in prayer, to talk to him and to keep praying and to be like Jacob in the Old Testament and to say, I will not turn you loose until you bless me. Pray, friends. Pray fervently. Pray persistently. And pray in the will of God. Okay friends, that's it for today. I do hope you find that helpful. Quick reminder that there's always a transcript of each and every one of these talks available in the episode notes of wherever you're getting your podcast from. Now if it turns out there are a few podcast providers that don't allow the episode notes to be carried over into the podcast, then you can always find it where it's hosted. This podcast is hosted on the thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com and within it you'll find the transcript and also various links to places and ways that you can connect with my ministry. Places like the Facebook page where the community exists or the YouTube channel which is becoming the archive of all these audio files because there we're able to put them in playlists based on theme and based on book which as the ministry progresses, God willing, will mean it will be much easier for you to navigate and find your way to particular teaching that you want, rather than having to scroll through a list of hundreds and hundreds now, but may well become thousands of of episodes. You'll be able to go straight in and find them within the playlist in YouTube. But you'll also find places like my Patreon page and my LinkedIn page, Places where I put my more formal, structured, discipleship-type courses. And the reason I do that is because in some parts of the world where social media is very heavily controlled, LinkedIn seems to be more a place where people can access all over the world, even in Arab countries, on the basis of tend to present and format the stuff as more a, a training course offered free. So that's where you'll find those sorts of things there. I'm currently uploading 12, 30-minute videos on how to prepare expository Bible messages, things like that. All available, always free, always copyright free, in the public domain for you to use in whatever way you want. So take a look in there and have a click around and look at those other resources that I offer. But I'll just close today now by saying thank you for joining me. You joined a community of tens of thousands of people listening to this podcast every day in over 155 countries around the world. What a privilege and a blessing it is to be able to come together and not just read, but study the Bible together. And I do hope if you're here for the first time, you will click on the subscribe and you'll make a decision to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life also. And with that said, I'll just say thank you again and bye for now and I'll see you, I trust, right back here tomorrow or whatever day. It's tomorrow for me, but whatever day it happens to be for you. We'll gather together and listen together and read together and study together on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.